Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Y Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at ycampidaho.org. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hi, everyone. Steven Schleicher from Majorspoilers.com. This week's Zach on Film is just a little bit different, I think, because uh, uh, because we're not all super fans of this movie. And we do go into the episode and do talk about why. I would encourage you, though, to really go through and listen to what we're talking about uh, as far as nuance and refining a craft and um, and how a director can get trapped into a role and into a uh, and into a, uh, a genre of filmmaking or a style of filmmaking. Because I think that plays a lot in in hires of directors in Hollywood for specific films. When you look at a director X who has a, a specific style, people recognize that he gets attached to pictures that are similar uh, to that on down the line. And I think if you look at the Guy Ritchie's um, oeuvre, the, if you look at Guy Ritchie's uh, filmography, you'll see a lot of those kind of similarities pop up again and again and again. Probably the biggest exception uh, being Sherlock. But go ahead and take a listen to that. Uh, I hope you get a kick out of it. Uh, it was certainly a good time for all of us to talk about Snatch. And uh, if uh, you're going to go and buy a Snatch, we encourage you to go over to Majorspoilers.com, click on that Amazon link and buy that DVD or Blu-ray so that you can watch it at home with your, your friends, your family, or whoever it may be. And before you sit down and watch that movie, you're probably going to want to eat a really good meal. So I want to give a shout out to our friends over at HelloFresh, HelloFresh.com. They've got great meals made easy. How easy? Here's how easy it is. Every week you get sent farm fresh ingredients for the meals that you're going to make that week, whether it be a steak or some kind of a shrimp scampi or whatever it is. You don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and, and buying anything else. Because they send everything to you with instructions. Just follow the instructions. You'll make it. It'll taste great. And you can do it in 35 minutes or less. It's cooking made easy. It's cooking made easy from HelloFresh. And here's the deal that we're going to give our Zach on Film listeners. If you go over to HelloFresh.com, use the checkout code MAJOR50, and you're going to get 50% off your first weekly delivery. 50% off your first weekly delivery by using the checkout code MAJOR50 at HelloFresh.com. And we thank them for supporting this installment of Zach on Film. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I have skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. 
giant diamond has been stolen and a large cast of characters with nicknames is willing to kill, lie, and torture to get their hands back on it. Let's talk Guy Ritchie Snatch this week on Zach on Film. So Snatch, if I remember correctly, is um, uh, Guy Ritchie's second film followed up from right. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I don't know right. if you've ever seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. No, I haven't, which made me wonder when I was watching it. And I read some stuff along and I was like, how come we didn't watch that one? Why did we watch this instead of that? So here's the reason why. Okay. Um, Brad Pitt. Interesting. Okay. So you got to think of the time period that this is released. 2000. Um, yes. So yeah. Jason Statham mm-hmm. is not well known in the United States uh, at this time. It was he bigger in Europe? Well, he was really kind of unknown when he did Lock, Stock, and oh, Two okay. Smoking Barrels. I okay. mean, he was literally kind of an unknown actor gotcha. at this time. His his real breakout came in um, Driver. Is that what what that series Driver, was? Driver. He did Driver, and he did, was that one where he had to like keep up on all the adrenaline? the Transporter. Transporter. That's the one I'm thinking oh, yeah, of. Yeah. So yeah, he's a, yeah. I'm thinking of Driver is a BMW mm-hmm. web series. Yeah. He also did a movie I think just called Drive. Oh wait, no, no that's that was uh, Gosling. You're thinking of. Um, Crank. 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 Oh, yeah, and that's my God, do not watch Crank 2. That movie is shit. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I love Crank. I thought it was really funny, but Crank 2 just was really bad. So at this time, Jason Statham is not well known, mm-hmm. yet Guy Ritchie is trying to get into American audiences. So when you look at when you look at the diverse cast, well, not diverse cast, when you look at the very <laughs> English cast in um, <laughs> Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which most of that cast comes over to... Uh, snatch and i'll talk about why that's problem in a little bit um american audiences aren't going to know who any of these people are even though some of these people are well known and well respected in um british uh, cinema so if you're going to break into american uh, films what do you need to do you need a star you need a star you need somebody like a brad pitt who has a, a huge name in the united states so you can get more people to see the film sure sure and so for most american audiences Snatch is probably their first introduction to um, Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. probably their first inter- introduction to Jason Statham, because I'm pretty sure Transporter came out two years after after Snatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to double check here mm-hmm. on the uh, IMDb's. Um, but that's why this film is on the list. Okay. Now, let me tell you why. Transporter 2002. And what year was Snatch? 2000. 2000, Okay. Here's why we didn't do Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Because it didn't have that American tie to it. Okay. Because of Brad Pitt is the only reason why it's in here. Interesting. And here's the problem that I have with Snatch, is it is essentially a retread of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. That's what I had heard, and that's why I had the question of why we were watching this. But But, that being said, and, and this is the problem, if you watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch, and I watch them very, very close to one another... You're going to confuse the two films. Oh, yeah. You're going to say, oh, wait, wasn't. Oh, I remember this great scene from Snatch. No, no. Where they're trying to bust into the uh, into the drug dealers den. No, no, no. That's in that's in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh, there's this great scene in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels where they go and they try to hold up a bookie. No, that's in Snatch. Yeah. Um, and, like Jason Statham, a lot more physical in Lock, Stock. Yes. Where, like, in this movie, again, because I, I, I confused them, too. I was like, wow, he doesn't jump over anything in this movie. Right, and right, in Lockstock, right. he does. He's, like, running around, jumping over things. Yeah, it just... is a really... I would I would encourage you to go see Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. But we can use this movie to kind of serve as a 
as a lesson in um, refining your craft and the dangers of repeating yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, so when we look at uh, refining your craft, if you look at it from a pure technical standpoint and from an editing standpoint, um, Snatch really is a lot better technically mm. than Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, which is very indie. This movie has a lot more Hollywood studio Money. behind it. <laughs> right. Behind it. Yeah. Uh, and it looks that way and it feels that way. But you can also see a refinement in the style as well, especially when it comes to editing. This is a great movie. Both of these movies are really great yeah. movies for for editing. Um, but the problem is it's the same movie. And I think you don't want to fall into that trap of repeat, 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 repeat. I guess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works, though. I mean. Sometimes it does. Aside, aside from a major uh, special effects triumph. Terminator 2 is actually the same movie as Terminator, right down to the exploding semi. Yes. And it made a lot of money. That's true. Yeah. Um, what, give us your impression, Zach, of, of Snatch. <laughs> Uh, like the oh, just, just oh, right, of the movie just, Snatch. Just what I just what <laughs> no, I no, no. We want film. impressions of each character. Just what I thought Start about the film overall. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I so I've never really been the biggest like action person. Like those haven't been my like, oh, this is the movie I want to see. I want to watch a lot of fighting and crap. Right. Uh, but through Zach on film. I've learned to appreciate different movies based on how they're made, put together, sort of that. So I thought Snatch was extremely interesting based on cinematography and editing. Like, that is what really kept me going in this mm-hmm. movie. And I really like English accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot the other big actor, not beyond uh, Brad Pitt, is uh, Dennis Farina. Yeah. Is in Benicio del Toro. And Benicio del Toro. So for about there's three four minutes, and then he gets a bag on his head. There's there's three movies that or three actors that have yeah. some bigger draw power in mm-hmm. it. Um. So besides the cinematography and the editing, I thought the story was like a plate of spaghetti, mm-hmm. and you kind of just threw it at the wall, mm-hmm. and you just kind of tried to trace each noodle together and hope you found a meatball. Again, I think this is trying to re- trying to tell the same story again because all the threads, all your little mm. different strands of spaghetti, all definitely do come together at the end of the movie, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it all it all wraps up, and that's one thing that sure. that's it one thing that you like, don't. All, all the all the threads have by the end of the movie, all the threads have crossed, yes. even if they don't just all come together at the end. Right, uh, but everybody resolved. everybody has interacted with everybody else yes. in the movie yes. by the end, and yes. they've all resolved themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, everybody's actions has had a resolution right. in some way, shape, or form, and that's one thing. As you're writing a story, whatever you bring up in your story. You have to resolve that at the end or else it's a it's a it's a it's just dangling there mm-hmm. and leaves audiences questioning. Uh, I forget who I was listening to recently and they were talking about you don't want to do that in your movies. And he points out in the movie Frozen that uh, in Frozen, you see the sled go off the edge of the cliff and blow up. And he's like, oh, that's I just paid it. And she's like, oh, I'll buy you a new one. If you'd never seen a resolution of that comment, it would have hurt the movie. But at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. She buys him a new sled. In this case, all the interweaving of these characters 
resolves at the end, right? Dennis Farina gets yes. his diamond. Uh, Cousin Avi uh, gets his uh, just reward. You know, he gets hooked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the boxing promoters get uh, get the diamond. Get not killed. They get yeah, not yeah, killed. Yeah. Uh, the gypsies get away. The uh, pawn uh, shop guys uh, get uh, their comeuppance from, from the dead bodies in their trunk. Right. Um, everything is just kind of wrapped the up. The dog gets the squeaker out of his tummy. Yeah, yeah. and gets a new owner. Um, and yeah, that's really great. But there's like this middle section of you're like, what is happening? Why is every what is everyone's yeah. motivations again? Because everyone yeah. talks really fast. It's edited really quick, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't remember why this guy is shooting him, but I think it's just because they all are horrible people, right? So they're just gonna shoot everyone trying to get this diamond, right? Everybody wants a diamond, right? And Bricktop wants to win fights, right? Um, in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, it's it, it's kind of the same way. All these different. Pl- uh, strands of spaghetti using your analogy actually (laughs) do the exact same thing and it works really really well in that story but again it's very formulaic Mm -hmm. uh, of what he's approaching and sadly i don't know if you guys probably not um they actually had a short-lived series on the bbc called lock stock and two smoking barrels and the first episode is almost a retelling of both of these two movies lock stock and snatch smashed together into one bit and after i saw that first episode i was like well i'm not going to watch any more of this and uh, i think maybe i watched half of the second episode but it it, i think it was a very short series on the bbc and this would have been in 2000 then again the bbc does do four episodes at two hours each yes Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what you think i mean overall over i mean so overall it was an enjoyable movie to watch. I had, mm-hmm. I had problems with it, but I, but I thought we talk. I think it might have been one of your editing classes. We talk about how MTV editing started influencing movies, right? With um, oh, I forget who did it. The movies with Triple uh, X and Need for Speed, mm-hmm. not Need for Speed, uh, Fast, Fast and, and the Furious. Fast and the Furious. And I thought this one kind of had the same. Th- ideas of just crazy camera movement whip pans with just smash cut editing montages. So here's the thing. I'm not saying that Guy Ritchie invented this, but the minute Guy Ritchie steps onto the scene with lock, stock and two Mm -hmm. smoking barrels and is like, um, you'll see the, the shot where um, Brad Pitt gets knocked out and you see him flying back in that super slow motion. There's a lot of that in, in lock stock and two smoking barrels and it works really, really well. Plus the, um, the editing pace where it actually creates a rhythm, especially where like, um, um, Dennis Farina's character is going to fly to England and flying home. And and you see that editing style. Well, we've seen that in Pi before. Oh, yeah, we've seen that all over the place. But Guy Ritchie does this in this movie, and people just start aping Mm -hmm. it left and right. Mm -hmm. And um, so from that standpoint, there's a lot of really cool techniques, a lot of... um, um, I don't remember if he does it in this one. Oh, yeah, he does, where it's like characters are walking along, you hear the voiceover, and then all of a sudden everything freezes, Mm -hmm. and he says, this is so-and-so. This is Bricktop. He's somebody that you don't want to mess with. Blah, 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 blah. And then after he's done talking, then he goes back into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That became very popular um, for a time in the 2000s to the point where that's where they were also, you know, doing a cutout around people and trying to give it a 70s vibe. 
um, you know, mm-hmm. bring that person in color, drop the background to black and white, tell a little about the person and then jump back into the story. So Guy Ritchie is kind of, of doing a lot of that. Yeah, he really like synthesized all of those techniques. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about like yeah. something like Star Wars or the Matrix for special effects where there were all these yeah. things floating around. Right. And those guys just kind of like crunched them all together into one movie and did it really well, like for editing and for kind of uh, non pew pew type special effects like Snatch Mm -hmm. is that movie that just brings it all together. Like you can see everything funnel into Snatch and Lockstock and then back out into the world where you Mm -hmm. see like McGee borrow one thing and you see, uh, oh, what's the guy from... uh, Sean of the Soderberg. Dead and oh, Edgar Wright. Uh, Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the yeah, so, the guy, the guy from uh, Shaun of the Dead, the guy from Three Hundred, the guy, yeah, yeah. you know, all those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can see a lot. You can see oh, yeah. that. You can definitely see yep. that. And to push forward in now, Rock and Rolla. I mean, we could just turn this into a whole discussion of Guy Ritchie films, but Rock and Rolla is a very different film than Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. But you go and you look at a more recent movie that Guy Ritchie has done that many of us know, uh, Sherlock. Oh, yeah. Um, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Holmes the second one. Whatever it's the first one and the second yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Both Guy Ritchie films. And you can see oh, his man. style still permeating all the way throughout. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, the scenes in Sherlock where... Sherlock does the whole slow everything down, mm-hmm. tell, Analyze, tell, the, tell mm-hmm. everything what he's going to do, and then do it. Uh, I mean, there's a couple. Break the bridge of his nose. Oh yeah, I mean he does that a couple times in this. I mean, he pl- it's it's interesting just from editing aspects. There's just so even uh, the scene, which is funny, and uh, it, it's just so well done when they do the car when they, the three strands are coming all of the car. Mm-hmm. They all do the row where they the first oh, car yeah, you yeah. show is hitting the guy, but it's yes. actually the last thing that happened, and they just yeah. kind of work their yeah. way backwards to that. That is. Incredible. That was just so well done. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> I mean, that done. that is that scene is the movie. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, because we've been see seeing them playing with time yes. all the time, right? It's yes. like the movie starts and then you jump back, you jump back a week, and then you mm-hmm. jump forward back to kind of the main mm-hmm. action, and then you bu- jump back a few hours, and the movie kind of gives you these time jumps. But at that moment, it's like time just kind of like skips. It's just like tick 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 mm-hmm. like all of the time jumping kind of coalesces into one moment mm-hmm. where you just see it and it's all totally weird and out of order, which is actually what makes it great. Well, and, and what works so much in that longer sequence is it starts out with the Russian music dun 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 dun, mm-hmm. dun and it starts slow. And what happens is that music continues and gets faster and faster, and faster as the action in the sequence picks up mm-hmm. until you have the, the big shootout, um, in the bar, <laughs> which is, you know, again, very interesting. Um, I want to jump back since we're being jumping in time. I I said the driver, what I mentioned, what I meant to say was the BMW series is called the hire. If you guys haven't seen that, it's worth checking out. It's about a guy who drives people around and gets into these crazy situations. And, um, um, he's driving a different BMW car each time. And he's, he's basically the transporter. It's like a Mm -hmm. proto transporter thing. What's really cool is guy. Richie directed, an episode of the hire. And this was like in 96, 97, I want to say, well, this is 2001, which seems a little late for me. Maybe not. Eh, maybe. The, okay. 2001 seems about right. Um, 
2001 was still kind of the 90s. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was trying to think where I was at the time when I saw this. So, yeah, it would be 2000, 2001. Uh, He directed a short called The Star. His his installment was The Star. And it's all about the hire driving a certain big name female rock star around. She's not named in the entire thing, but it's Madonna. Mm -hmm. And it's directed by Guy Ritchie. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Madonna and Guy Ritchie end up getting married. And then, of course, everything that happens with that. Um, But if you... I would say, Zach, it might be worth your while. And I know you said you're not big into action type film stuff. No, it might be worth your while that. to just get a Guy Ritchie filmography. There's not many. He's only done oh. at this point 11 movies, one TV movie and a couple of shorts. There's another one that's up on my website, stevenschleicher.com, a soccer commercial that he directed, mm. which is really good that you can tell his style is permeates throughout. I think it's a Nike one. Um, but he's only done like a less than a dozen movies. He's got the upcoming um, Man from Uncle movie coming out. Of course, the two Sherlock movies you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Now, Snatch, you've probably seen about half of his stuff. Yeah, in, and in if you consider case. that by watching Snatch, you've yeah. watched three quarters of Lock, Lock Stock and <laughs> Barrels, you're almost there. Matthew, is this the first time that you've seen Snatch? We, I'm sorry, we yeah. I didn't mean to leave you out in, in all of this conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I've never seen this before. So what do you think of Snatch? Have, let me ask you this. Have you seen Lock, uh, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? No. Okay. I I, I kind of hated it in that there are a lot of interesting character pieces. There's a lot of neat stuff. And, you know, I, I really enjoy anything that comes out of Vinnie Jones's mouth in this movie. And it, as strange as this may sound, I'm a huge fan of Dennis Farina going all the way back to Crime Story on ABC when I was like 17 years old. So there's a lot of stuff that I like in this movie, but the way it's put together, uh, the the and, and I think part of it is the things that Richie does with his editing are brilliant. And I look at that and I'm like, my God, just the the craftsmanship mm-hmm. in that edit sequence where obviously like, you know what? We're going to F in London. Get your toothbrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then bang, 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 bang. He's in London right there. I love that. Yeah. I love that that craft and I love the performances. And I feel like Guy Ritchie is a wonderful cinematographer and editor, but I don't like the movie that that is made within that craft. If that yeah. makes sense, you know, if if I could you know, have in in the in this whole line of things, and again, the reason why I'm putting this in here is just because of the American connection, American audiences. Mm-hmm. I think Zach, mm-hmm. I think you need to wait until September. You and your brand new wife. Mm-hmm. You sit down, and I think both of you should watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And I think you will find it. It's a much, much, much better movie than than Snatch. And if she likes Sherlock Holmes, uh, she does. then she'll yeah. like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels a lot, too. My wife enjoyed it a lot About when she saw it. Halfway through this movie, I had to ask myself one of the great questions uh, of modern film viewing and slash, you know, critiquery. And that was, was it Steven Soderbergh or Brad Pitt's idea to rip off 80% of this film and turn it into Ocean's Eleven? Because well, the, so the Ocean's tone, Eleven, the pacing, the character breakdown. Yeah, so there's yeah, a lot that's, of this movie. In- when you look at Ocean's Eleven, the modern Ocean's Eleven, yes, there mm-hmm. is a lot of that. And it's, um, um, who is the British guy that's um, Don Cheadle? Don Cheadle doing the British accent. Um, yeah, there is a lot of that that you pick up from Lockstock and from Snatch. So, yes, I can see some influence yeah. there. 
But Ocean's Eleven is actually, you know, the remake of a 1950s, 60s film with uh, Frank Sinatra. Well, and... Remake in, in, in spirit only. Sure, if There's you want to say There's very little of, of Ocean's Eleven in that movie. But sure. I think that the way it's constructed, the time frame, the messing with the perspective, the flat out lying to the audience right. about what's actually in front of you and then saying, here's what you really saw. The, the breakdown with the, the music is very similar, especially in the, the walking and talking sequences, mm-hmm. the use of music and the, the use of the rhythmic nation of it. And yeah, if you look at Lenny James in this movie and then you look at Don Cheadle in that movie, very similar in terms of, of their actual, their performances and the, the way they're talking, the way they look. But if you look at just the breakdown of who does what in this, if you were to tell me that Ocean's Eleven was a Guy Ritchie movie that came two years after this, yeah, I'd believe you. There's a, I uh, believe you because it looks like it is. There is a YouTube video that breaks down the themes between the two movies and right. does a compare and contrast for them. There's also a um, a website between Ocean's Eleven between Ocean's Eleven wow. and Snatch. Wow. There's also an article called "This Is This This or That" over at French Toast Sunday where they also go mm-hmm. through and they make some comparisons between the two um, to see, um, you know, some stylistic similarities between between them. Um, so you're not you're not mm-hmm. you're not wrong. And if you were right. watching all of these movies in the exact same time period or mm-hmm. very close to one another, you, you could easily get them mixed up because. um, um the Don Cheadle character talking, you know, about Barney Rubble and, and that, using all the, the English right. slang, mm-hmm. you would swear that there's a sequence of that oh, in one of the other two sw- uh, films, and there's yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that character, I, that Don Cheadle's character is him doing Lenny James, right, mm-hmm. in, in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, I, I do love, as you know, as a student of accents and dialects, love this movie in terms of just listening for a while today, I was just kind of listening to the movie without actually watching it. And you've got, you know, Jason Statham being Jason Statham. And then you've got Vinnie Jones being Vinnie Jones. And you've got all the characters with their different voices. And then Brad Pitt, God only knows what Brad Pitt is doing. I like, it I just, like, I know he's not doing any kind of real accent. It's just all gibberish to him. It, but it, it sounds it, like it an comes Irish off as a real, grew up in Romania or something. It I comes off that. as a real language. Yeah. And I, you like, I really you like a dag. Steven, you like a dag. A what? A dag? A dag. What are you talking a about, a dag? You like it like a dag. Oh, a dog. Yes, I well, like a dog. And that's a great part is that, you know, Nobody living, can living around Americans is like, you, you watch this movie and it's like, yeah, and a dag? It's like, a dag? Oh, you mean a dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, nope, that's <laughs> not dog. how we pronounce it either. <laughs> a dog. And then you got the guy with the Russian accent. It, I don't know if he's yeah. actually Russian. Everybody. Boris the... Force the blade. Mm-hmm. Everybody, Force, everybody Force in this movie. The everybody in this movie has a crazy accent to someone. Mm-hmm. I can imagine people watching this in uh, the UK and being that that Farina guy sounds so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, the other thing that you notice too in this movie, Zach, is that they're the characters are caricatures, right? Oh, sure, yeah. They yes. are all overblown, just caricatures of mm-hmm. what you would think that the, that a bad guy would be and so let's make him 10 times worse here's right. a cheat let's make him 10 times the cheat and let's overblow everything and let's you know let's let's put it over the top and i think that's also somewhat charming about this movie too is that 
You know, you don't have anybody who's yeah. just a normal person. Even the yeah. guy who's flipping the sausages, who's in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, even the guy flipping the sausages <laughs> is just like this crazy character that's rememberable. Minutes, He's got two minutes, ago. two minutes, two minutes, uh, five minutes on the sausages. And it's like, those are great lines that just little bits to remember and characters to remember. Every character is memorable. Even the woman in the, yeah. um, uh, in the bookie, um, oh, yeah. spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who's just nonchalant. Got a, got just a like, bag of coins. Got a bag of coins yeah. and then pulls the gun and starts shooting at these it's, guys. I mean, it, and it, it's easy to look and see, you know, and think of, um, God, I can't remember his name now. Turkish. Thinking of right. Turkish to me as the son of Michael Caine from Get Carter. I love that. <laughs> what do you bloody mean? Imagining that this is this is Carter's kid. That made the middle part of the movie much better for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it, it when I say it, it's one of those movies that I will not watch again of my own accord because there's so much here that was likable that just right. it, it, it kind of never came together for me. Well, here's the thing. I not, really not think just in terms of the plot, but, but you know, just ugh. the reason why I'm saying that you guys need to wait until September is that gives you a couple of months to kind of forget everything. Mm-hmm. Because if I said you guys need to go watch Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, because it is a far superior film to Snatch. Snatch is a good example of how not to repeat yourself. If you watch Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels now, you're going to get confused mm-hmm. and you're going to mix up the two movies like <laughs> Rodrigo and I often do. Um, but if you wait until September and you've kind of forgotten about Snatch and you sit down, the biggest problem is you're also going to see a lot of the exact same actors. Ninety uh, percent of the cast is the exact same cast. I mean, except for our American actors. Sure. Um, no Dennis Farina. No Dennis Farina. No Benicio. No um, um, Brad Pitt. No Brad Pitt. But everyone else is in the movie just in different roles. And that's why it's kind of funny because um, I think the guy – no, that must not be it. I was going to say the guy flipping the hot dogs is like the big bad in the other movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, oh, I'm trying to think of the uh, who's the big who's the big tall guy. Um, Bullet Tooth Tony. Bullet Tooth Tony. Uh, Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones. The he plays the he plays exactly the exact same character mm-hmm. in Lock, Stock, and, and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm. Um, but if you guys watch them too close together, you're going to get really confused. Gotcha. Uh, I think. Agree? Oh, I think you'll get them confused no matter what. Like, it's like, if you wait six months to watch uh, Lock Stock, and then, like, six months later, you won't you won't remember what happens where. Like, there's right. no helping it because they're so similar. Yeah. Like, unless you've watched both movies a lot. In fact, there are scenes that I would swear were in this movie, mm-hmm. and then I came to realize they're actually in Boondock Saints. <laughs> 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 I was like, "Where's Il Duce?" Yeah, yeah. It's like, "Oh wait, that's a completely different movie. That's not even either of those movies." Where's Willem Dafoe? Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for Willem Dafoe. So, um, I don't know. Uh, Zach, pull out some uh, some people who uh, oh, help make this okay. episode let's, possible. Let's give a shout out to our associate producers here, really quick. They would be Brian Gantley, Ryan Wells, Wayne Mallet. Don Ruthstrom, Alexander Rudiger, Joshua Irwin, Andrew Coleman, Jeffrey Peterson, Eric Anderson, Bao King, Aaron Lim, Benjamin Weichester, Weichester, Chris Hensley, Christopher <laughs> Parsons, and Carl Engstrom. Thank you for donating to Major Spoilers and keeping us going week after week to produce more great content for you. What did, what did you get out of this movie? Let's just ask that. What are the things that you can take away? What are the things that you can... Appreciate what are the things that you can Wicked, use. Wicked, bad, rash. 
Um, I mean, I really thought that that first heist sequence in the beginning of the movie when they're getting that diamond mm-hmm. was really interesting because they, oh yeah, yeah, they they were doing whip pans a lot, mm-hmm. but they were moving the camera kind of in and out of the pans inter- more interesting than didn't just kind of just straight once the heist goes pan. on once the heist goes on or are you talk because in no. the oh no oh no leading up to it using the security cameras was, was really mm-hmm, great mm-hmm. also yeah but once the heist starts going and you really start getting into Guy Ritchie's style in there mm-hmm. the whip pans aren't like a straight left and right they do like weird twists up to the camera Coming in and out of the pan sometimes. I just remember one shot when guys they just kind of rotate it up. Mm-hmm. They do some weird ro- camera rotations throughout the film. He mm-hmm. does some crazy camera yeah, moves in all yeah. of his movies, which were really interesting just to see executed. And kind of, I mean, the the way the like the the uh, Brad Pitt fight at the end when he's just getting the snot kicked out of him, controlling the pace of that fight was really interesting through the editing. Um, not because it wasn't just a long take or quick shots. It was like hyper cuts or slow-mo. It would, they were like showing Brad Pitt just flying straight back through the air mm-hmm. I mean, for multiple seconds. And so it wasn't just a, like when, uh, I don't know. Even even Rocky didn't really do this very much. It was just like a, a huge shot of the ring that just played out for ten seconds. It was two se- or half a second of actual action, but spread over five seconds yeah. in slow mo. Uh, I mean, that was really interesting. And the, I honestly, I would just watch this film again just for editing. Yeah, it is crazy. You can learn a lot just the, from watching this in it, the editing style. Here's here's something that's really that I found to be really good about this movie is that there's lots of crazy camera moves there's lots of crazy editing but to me none of it ever seemed unmotivated no Mm-mm. um you Mm-mm. will find a lot of movies you know again is like the zoom appears and you will find a lot of unmotivated mm-hmm. zooming um you know uh, the uh the, the, the steady cam appears you will find mm-hmm. a lot of unmotivated like moving around a scene right. for no reason right there's a lot of unmotivated edit like and again once this kind of smash cut editing uh caught on you see a lot of unmotivated editing where it's like well we could have just cut to the next scene we didn't have to go through this like thing Mm -hmm. but in uh in snatch it's actually at no point that i say why did this happen weird camera moves weird pans like swishing around it always seemed to either match the pace of the story or create like basically it's kind of like uh, it, it just kind of like rolls you really hard into the scene. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the the initial cut into the scene gives you this momentum and then the scene carries it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, right. I'm not going to say that Guy Ritchie invented this style, but he certainly right, right, mastered right. it. Just like when when we talk about the Ken Burns effect, we're talking about just these slow zoom ins and right. pans of of uh, photos. Well, people yeah. have been doing that for years. Sure, sure. He just made it a nine or 18 hour documentary on baseball. And right. And put it all in there. Um and so I think Guy Ritchie mastered this style and understood this style. And I think people, as you say, have aped this style ever since without fully understanding. Right, it. right. And I think if you're going to borrow or lift uh, st- uh, styles from people, 
I think you really need to study it and really need to understand it so that you don't come off as, hey, look at me. I'm just like Guy Ritchie because that's not how it's going to come off. People are going to say, oh, look, he's trying to be this and he Mm -hmm. fails. Right, right. And And I – Right. So um, talking about the smash cut montage of going to New York Mm -hmm. to London, I think that was – because I think – through the style of the film, you could have just cut from New York to London. Oh, sure. But the the smash cuts, I think, reflected the character that was participating in his Absolutely. personality. Absolutely. Because so, mm-hmm. he was so high strung and mm-hmm. so fast paced that that in that pushed the character to another level. And and he's the only one who does it. He like that mm-hmm. that group of of segments. Duh, 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 that's that character. Yeah. He's the only one that does it, and it kind of frames the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he like he does it. Once at the beginning, once, once in the, the middle, end. yeah, and then once at the end yeah. to just to close the movie. Right. So in a way, uh, what's power. his name? Avi is kind of like the, um, he's kind of the structure of the movie, and like all the characters are just kind of like wiggling around on the inside mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. right. And I think the people that do that well, uh, like Edgar Wright, does it a lot in throughout all of his movies, and the way he does it. It's a comedic approach mm-hmm. to aping the like gearing up scene, like in a big like getting all right. your guns together. Right, but he's right. doing it with like buttering toast or just getting ready in the morning right. or just something totally innocuous that we do throughout the course of our day. So he does it for a comedic effect, making f- like if right. if you, he's super son- genre savvy that he can do it for comedy. But Guy Ritchie does it here, I think, to propel a character. Oh, absolutely! In Shaun of the Dead. Those shots, those like smash cuts, um, are used to build parallels, right? Mm-hmm. So you see the oh, same sure. thing, do 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 do, getting ready for the day at the beginning of the movie, and then later on in the movie when the zombie apocalypse yeah, is happening, you see like do do do, and then like he like gets ready in the morning, closes that mirror, right. and there's like the zombie roommate behind him, right? It mm-hmm. just and 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 Shaun of the Dead is like goes over the top with right. like the parallels, <laughs> right? Um, but it's it's a good example of that same technique used to to build that momentum, but in a v- like uh, kind of in a like thematically in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. goes to show that you can right. use those techniques to convey a different emotion um, because they're good for building speed, but you can actually make them comedic or dramatic mm-hmm. or. Uh, build tension or build parallels or, right. or well and plus they also just create this very neat rhythmic effect yeah. throughout and i think it's the rhythmic effect that catches my attention mm-hmm. more than anything it's just the smash and you've tried this before right you've experimented with this before oh i did if it. i'm not mistaken yeah, I did that one time when i was when vine first came out oh yeah that's right and i put yeah, a yeah. record on my player um mm. when we talk about styles and sometimes styles work and sometimes they don't i want to step outside of snatch for just a moment talk sure. about the grand budapest hotel Okay. Which okay. I just saw this past oh, weekend no, for the first it. time. I you haven't? I, I just haven't my computer okay. watched it yet. So I have said that I'm not a huge fan of Wes Anderson. Yeah, mm-hmm. But what was the campground <laughs> one that was just... Moonrise Kingdom. I did watch that this week. Okay, oh. that one was that one's okay. Oh, I liked I like it, it more than the Magnificent... Uh, Fox? No, no, no. Well, uh, yes. Oh, and also like the... The, uh, the Royal... Yeah, the, the Darjeeling Unlimited. Man, I've seen like all his movies. For a guy who I don't like, I have watched all of his movies. It's difficult not to watch Wes Anderson movies. I'm right there with you. I don't like Wes Anderson. 
But somehow I have, have you seen, seen the Sinister Coterie of Midnight Intruder. That's a great one. I have not seen that one. No, it's that's a that's a parody that's on it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. A magnificent parody. Like okay. it's a if you, I, I know that you, Stephen, you don't like uh, um, modern SNL. But but go find. Oh, it's not that the, I don't like it. I just don't watch it. The the Edward Norton episode okay. has this just like amazing Wes Anderson parody. Okay. Or if you find a link there, just send yeah, it yeah, to yeah, I'll send it to you. So one Owen of the Wilson. things that I've not liked about Wes Anderson films is the fact that he stages everything exactly in the middle of the frame, mm-hmm. and everything revolves around the center <laughs> of the frame. Yeah. And if you know that going into the Grand Bud- Grand Budapest Hotel, you will quickly dismiss it. Right. Mm-hmm. You'll just say, OK, this is the Wes Anderson style. I know what to expect. But then as the movie continues to move forward, I'm sitting there going, is he seriously going to do this in every single shot of the movie? Is he going to make this work in the way that this story is coming out? My God, he take that. He pushed that style in every single frame <laughs> of the movie and tells a fantastic story in the process. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what's really weird about it going kind of tying back into our time dilation. I'm just, I'm going to spoil the first five minutes of the movie for you because it's not really going to spoil anything about the story, but it starts out with a girl with a book at the, at an author's grave. The author is who we know it is. He's the one that wrote the book that's in her hands. She sits down to open the book and starts reading and we hear it in the author's voice. And we flash back maybe 15 years previous to where the author is finishing up and talking about this book. Right. And he's kind of narrating the story, which then flashes back to when the author was much younger in the 1960s. So we've got a story within a story already. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) the author meets the owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel and he tells his story of how he became the owner of the of the hotel. And so five minutes in, you are four levels deep into this story. And don't. Each time period, the film aspect ratio change in this film. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You said no spoilers. Okay. Well, I just remember when it came out in the theaters, like they had this huge, like they sent out to theaters that they had to pl- put this thing up on a projector to frame it all right. Yeah. Because if they just went to a random place, it could have been the wrong film aspect ratio right. and it would have screwed everything up. Right. right. Or like if a, uh, if, if a person who is like if a projectionist is that what they call mm-hmm. uh-huh. is not paying attention like he'll look out on the aspect ratio will yes, be wrong and like <laughs> turn it like squeeze it out puts yeah. the anamorphic yeah. lens back in so uh-huh. you know as far as directors having a style and sometimes they really really work like guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. um and sometimes they don't do anything for me like wes anderson but wes anderson in grand Budapest hotel really surprised the heck out of me and this is by far my most favorite wes anderson film i've ever seen and it is you got to watch it, Zach. If you haven't seen it, watch yeah, I will. it. I have it. Uh, it's a love story, so was, you and your girlfriend should watch. it. We were going to watch it the other night, but I was kind of tired. I figured I was going to fall asleep, so I just put in. I just, tired or drunk? No, I was just tired. Oh, okay. Uh, no. Uh, so I, I put in Moonlight Kingdom. Is one a euphemism for the other? Uh, because that film makes me happy, and then I I didn't even start it yet. I I just told her watch how many shots are centered in this in this movie yeah. and we get through like the first 15 minutes and almost everything is centered and she's like is this is this every shot like, pretty much yeah i think <laughs> in, in grand budapest it's maybe less than two percent of all the shots are not centered. not centered there's a and part of it is because you have to move to a different angle in order to really understand the shot mm-hmm. but everything else is so centrally framed sometimes sometimes analyzing movies really can wreck them for you in that in that oh, sense sure. where like you start noticing things and it's like after a while you're like oh my god like 
I went to see uh, Into Darkness, Star Trek Into Darkness with a friend of mine. And basically, I just like, as the movie was starting, I just like leaned in real close to her and said, Lance Flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she couldn't stop seeing that because it yeah. is everywhere. Well, but see, that's, I don't know. With the three directors that we've talked about, Guy mm-hmm. Ritchie, Wes Anderson, and J.J. Abrams. Uh-huh. And you could say the same thing with Zack Snyder. You could say the same same thing. When their style pulls you out of the movie, you've lost the audience. Right. When I'm spending the entire time going, oh my God, is he really going to do this? And I'm excited to see if he's able to frame it in a central location throughout the entire film. I'm I'm rooting for the guy, right? Right. <laughs> but I'm not paying attention to the story. And the story is really good, though. Um, when you watch... Uh, snatch or you watch a guy Ritchie film and you're waiting for that slow fast slow or you're waiting for it to go into super slow motion mm-hmm. or you're waiting for that part where everything screeches to a halt and then ramps back up you've lost the audience the audience isn't paying attention to the story they're paying right. attention to you the director and that's a big problem with highly with that highly stylized style not mm-hmm. to be too redundant but when a director picks up a style like mm-hmm. that sometimes it just becomes too much when the audience does get uh wise to it yes um it can really take you out because uh when you have something like 300 Mm -hmm. um which you know not a lot of people were familiar with that uh, style yet but then you see it again and again and again and again you are like well that's like 300 Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. well that's like that spirit movie that only me and everyone on the panels uh, and, and this immediate panel went to see yeah um it's like uh, you just kind of it sticks out. It's right. it's like a sore thumb. It's like bullet time after the Matrix mm-hmm. did bullet time. Mm-hmm. Anyone else that tried to do it, you were just like, oh well, that's just like in the Matrix, right? That's the Matrix. Yeah. Well, Why but even in, but even in the uh, case of of Zack Snyder's Slow Fast Slow, mm-hmm. he does it in every film, even his animated movies. And we've talked about that before, the Owls of Gahuli Who or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. There's a sequence where I'm like. I'm like, I wonder if they're going to do a slow, fast, slow in here, knowing that this is a Zack Snyder film. And sure enough, they do it. Yep. And I'm like, wow. Okay. There's my little, it's like signature. It's like Steven Spielberg always puts a, supposedly puts a shooting star in all of his movies. See, and but the thing is, that's different. But if, I, that's, if I'm that's looking not a, for that, it. That's not a narrative. Like, a shooting star is yeah, not part of the not, narrative structure. No, no, no. Or, or, or the visual structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if I know that I'm supposed to be looking for it. Well, we talk about that. Anytime we talk about Hitch- Hitchcock movies, yeah. we've talked about that. Yeah, well, and that's why Hitchcock yeah. gets, him- gets himself out of the way sure. right up front, so you can spend the rest of the time watching the movie. Right. Well, but that's after not, a but while, putting himself in it the takes movie about is not really style. right. And we've talked about that yeah, too. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I think you have to be real careful as you develop a style that even if it is stylized, mm-hmm. that it's not drawing people out of the experience, because. Once they're drawn out of the experience and they forget about the story, who cares about the characters? Who cares whether they get the girl or whether they die or whether they get the giant diamond or whether the dog gets the squeaky toy out of his stomach mm-hmm. or what happens to a uh, tiny or whatever his name is? Um, I'm focused on look at that cool edit. Look at that cool slow mo. Look at the look at that. So, yeah, don't so, don't that's lose the your most successful yeah, part of the movie. movie for me, too. That's the parts of the movie that really worked best for me. Well, and so I, think, I don't necessarily. Well, of this movie, if that yeah, works, I, I, I think you. I think in 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 Snatch, I think it works really well. Yes, it does. I think I think that it's not intrusive. It's no, no, stylized, but it's not intrusive. Right. I think Snatch is a good example of a highly stylized sequence being pulled off very well. Mm-hmm. 
but you have to be careful about it. That's Certainly. what I'm trying to get at. Certainly. Because the minute that you lose oh, yeah. your audience and they've, they're disconnected from the story, doesn't matter what you do after that. Mm-hmm. Just load up the page with or load up the frame with the lens flares because nobody's going to be paying attention do to you anything think else. Load up the this, lens This is flares. what I always think about when we talk about style, especially like Wes Anderson or something. So do you think regular moviegoers that went and saw Grand Budapest were... What, what moviegoers? Yeah, were were focused and knew a Wes Anderson style going into do they think most no, audiences knew. so here's the problem yeah and and Kevin Smith backs backs up this claim the only people that go see Kevin Smith movies are Kevin Smith fans mm. I would argue that the only people who go see Wes Anderson movies are Wes Anderson fans definitely no, at this point sure but, that, so but that's not people every who director. go well people who want to go see who love J.J. Abrams Go see J.J. Abrams' films. It doesn't matter what he's doing. Well, now J.J. Abrams has ascended himself and put himself in two of the largest sci-fi franchises that, that's ever. That's true. J.J. Abrams is is an interesting example because they gave him Star Trek. Right. And yeah. now they've given him Star Wars. Right. So now everybody's going to be exposed to J.J. Abrams if you like any sci-fi. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, well, I think Kevin Smith has it right. The only people that are going to go see those. And again, um, um. Wes Anderson, Guy Ritchie are not um, are not big name directors. No, I mean, no, they no. are, they are, but they still kind of to are be, couched into a yeah. indie it's, kind of world within small. within the within the trillions of dollars that Hollywood handles. Yeah. Guy Ritchie right. and Wes Anderson are kind of cult directors. Yes, within within Hollywood. And, I mean, still like millions of people go see their movies yeah. <laughs> just not as many millions as say uh your avengers right. or whatever and so but, even but you, with like oh crap what's his freaking name with transformers michael bay yeah he has a style he has a color palette sure. and he just ramps up to the extreme and, and shoves it down crazy. your throat right. and but but yeah. no one he's different but no one goes to see his movies because i want to see everyone be orange and blue well, he doesn't have any fans. Everyone hates him. But if you look at like a Wes Anderson film, I think the the telling part, he said in the middle of a sentence, <laughs> <laughs> the telling part of a Kevin Smith or a Wes Anderson are, if you say to me, what's Transformers about? And Rodrigo says, oh, it's about these robots and they jump around and they smash and they crash things. You know, that is one thing. If you say, what is Star Trek about? You know, they're rebuilding a, a franchise uh, that may have lost some of its luster. But you can't do that with a Wes Anderson movie. If you say to me, you know, what is The Life Aquatic with Steve DeZissou about? It's a five-minute treatise, and you either like that sort of thing or you don't. You don't, you know, see that Wes Anderson film and think, oh, I'm going to go see The Fantastic Mr. Fox because it seems like a great kid's movie although I'm sure people did, you go see that because you're like, I hear this is weird. Mm-hmm. People can't describe this to me. You know, you can't tell me what uh, he did. Um, Rushmore, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Rushmore is another movie. Um, Otter Disaster loves that film. I can't figure out what it's about. I, I don't care for it because I can't figure out what it's about. But if you say what's, um, I don't know, say Red State about, you cannot say what Red State is about without starting out with the meta statement of, okay, this guy, Kevin Smith, right? Right. He makes these movies and then you take it from there. So I think there's a difference in the experiences for these guys. You come in to see what they do with a story or a 
plot or, you know, chunks of characters or particular actors. Whereas I think with a Michael Bay or to this point now, a J.J. Abrams, the movie draws you in and you're like, oh, that yeah. there were would, a lot of lens flares. Was that J.J. Abrams? I would I would agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, this this group of guys like us right here on Zycon Film, we are um, movie and comic book critics and we're very exposed to this sort of thing. So we're very aware of it. I think a lot of people go to see Transformers and they don't ever think about right. who's no. directing it. But the people that, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll agree, the people that go see Moonrise Kingdom and the Grand Budapest Hotel are probably Wes Anderson fans, right. more than likely. I think plenty of people also go see it because they're like, I've seen the 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 previous and this looks very pretty, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's got those like very like tableau looking saturated color kind of pieces yeah. in it. It's like this looks very pretty. I want to I like the science of sleep, so I want to see something shiny like that mm-hmm. even though they're not the same people. <laughs> um That's why you know, that, that, that Snatch, sort of thing. Snatch only made 83 million dollars worldwide. What's its budget? Doesn't say. Uh, um, Thirty-seven dollars. Well, you can imagine. You can imagine twenty million of that is Brad Pitt's salary, because at that time he would have been a twenty million dollar film man. Yeah, he mm-hmm. just came out of Fight Club. Did, yeah. That's why he looked ripped. Didn't he yeah. take like a cut on this one? So I don't. I don't know, but uh, he's probably the highest paid person there. Grand Budapest Hotel, um, in contrast, made one hundred and eighty-seven, one hundred and fifty-seven million worldwide. So it's. Pretty successful on a, again, not applicable or not known budget. Um, So, yeah, probably more people saw Grand Budapest Hotel. And I remember seeing Snatch in the theaters. Um, At the time, I was like, I'll just go see a movie. I think I had just seen Lockstock not too long before that. My friend Dave had given it to me to watch. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wanted to go see this movie because I knew it was by the same guy. There were maybe a dozen people in the theater, and this was at um, the Irvine, uh, the Spectrum in Irvine, which is a huge movie complex, 20 theaters, all decked out, all super nice. Mm-hmm. 20, 30 people in the theater that holds two, 300 people, not a not a good sign for the movie. Yeah, but at least you had a theater that brings in those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and that, that's the thing, too, is that uh, the Spectrum, because it has so many screens, you can see everything that comes out is going to yeah, be there at yes. some point, you know, the small stuff. Um, this, this week marks the 10th anniversary of, um, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. And the only way that I got to saw that movie or got to see that movie was at a small art house cinema. And I think if you, as a listener, live in a place that has art house cinema, you owe it to yourself to check out some of those movies. Now, some of them are not going to be any good. Some of them are really going to be bad. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of them are going to be fantastic. Now, I'm not saying that Napoleon Dynamite is fantastic. I will. But I, I remember see, seeing that it's, with my wife in a 50-seat theater, mm-hmm. and it was packed. Oh, really? And people were waiting in line to get in for the next showing because it had already started to get a little bit of the buzz, rumor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, buzz. So I think seeing small independent films can be a good thing, too, Zach, just to see other people's styles and see what other stories people are telling. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, that's why I really like... I mean, iTunes is putting a lot of independent stuff yes. on there. That's the first place where I saw the Dirties, mm-hmm. which is on iTunes, where mm-hmm. I thought, which is getting it's really getting really big in Europe right now. It is a it was a nice movie. So uh, watched uh, what, what's the uh, band, the music uh, spaceman group? Um, oh, Future the, Folk. His, 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 Future Folk. folk. Yeah, yeah, I saw that movie on yeah. iTunes. Um, and so it's nice that digital 
has come along in that it has helped push independent movies uh, to the front of people's eyeballs uh, because a large part of the the the, the uh, country does not have a small art house that has the space or budget to kind of hope people are going to come watch this small movie and instead they're going to bring in every blockbuster and keep it there for four weeks and then they're going to make a lot of money. Right. And I think going back to what Matthew had mentioned before Soderbergh, um, you know, he's done this multiple times where he's he's uh, released a movie the same day on DVD as it released in theaters. He's done it where the movie has released the same day on digital uh, as it released in theaters. He's done it where it's released digitally before it's in theaters. And so, you know, for from a director's standpoint, to push that mm-hmm. is really a good thing. But, you know, there are some great movies. Uh, and I'm not trying to make this an advertisement for Apple, um, but there are some great movies on iTunes because they have that digital first series that are independents that if you don't see them there, you're not going to see them mm-hmm. until a time when it's re-released in a digital format. And yeah. one of them is about time. Oh, yeah. Um, have you seen that one yet? No, I never saw it. God yet. dang it. That, that's another one that is a small movie. That's gotten and I suggested to all three of you. If you guys want to just start crying, <laughs> I'm serious. If you want to start bawling, you need to watch about time because by the time you hit that aha moment in the movie, you're just nonstop tears <laughs> through the rest of the movie. But Jeez. it didn't have a wide release. Eighty seven million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fantastic story. It's about time travel. So it's got a sci fi element. Nice. Yeah. But it's also going to make you cry. And it's a father son awesome. movie. So with Father's Day coming up this weekend, mm-hmm. maybe you go check out about time. Oh, man, I got to run out and buy a tie. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Zach, why don't we wrap it up here and uh, get us out until next time. All right. So let's uh, wrap it up. Head over to Majorspoilers.com where you can find the podcast posting page. And you give your thoughts on anything we talked about this week, director style, or anything we talked about with Snatch. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com link where you could buy your own copy of Snatch, probably on Blu-ray or uh, any of the Wes Anderson collection of films. It's not going to cost you any extra but a little bit. We'll come back to major spoilers to keep this boat afloating. Next week, we're going to jump into the Western genre as we talk The Searchers next week on Zach on Film. <laughs>